0: Had during a famine gone to the neighboring land of Moab, where their two sons had each married a Moabite woman. Tragedy had struck over a period of years where Naomi's husband and then both of her sons died, and Naomi was left feeling bitter towards God. She gave to each of her two daughters in law the freedom to go back home, to be released from their obligation to her, and to start a new life. One of them, Orpah, Hugs her mother-in-law and does just that. But the other Ruth says to her, "Where you go, I will go, and your God will be my God." So Ruth and her mother-in-law Naomi return to Israel with nothing—literally empty-handed, no lands, no means of income, no hope, no future—to survive. Ruth begins to go into the fields to pick up what's left over after the harvest, just picking up the tiny bits of grain. But it just so happens that the field that she goes into belongs to a distant relative of Naomi and Elimelech, a man called Boaz, who is not only a relative who could redeem them back into the family, he is also a kind and a godly man. Over time, he notices Ruth. He sees uh, her convictions, her faithfulness, her promise to her mother-in-law. And both Ruth and Boaz really end up falling for one another. And we saw last week that Naomi and Ruth engineer the situation such as Boaz is able to say, I will make sure that you are redeemed, which meant Buying them back into the people of God, buying them back into a family, buying, off the things that were, buying back the things that were sold off, buying them back their land, buying them back their place, which would give their family a future and a hope. But there's just one little snag in the plan, which is that there's actually a closer relative than Boaz, who has, as it were, first rights on the deal. And so we enter today into this scene, which seems quite bizarre to us, with gates and sandals and things. But it's a transactional scene, where it's going to be worked out how the deal is going to go down. Boaz has said, this will happen. I will make sure this will happen. Either your closer relative will redeem you, or if he doesn't, then I will. And it sets us up for what is, I think, a sort of dragon's den moment, <laughs> where Boaz is effectively pitching the redemption of Ruth and Naomi to this closer relative. And he does it in a very clever way. Did you read that as he uh, as he's going? So the kinsman redeemer who is coming past the closer relative, who hasn't really had any interest in Ruth whatsoever up until this point, Boaz invites him to come and he's to sit with them in the place where the deal would be done. And he says to him, Naomi, who's come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech, probably a cousin. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. Did you notice what was missing? No mention of Ruth. At first, Baraz says, Here's a great deal for you. At a cheap price, you can buy this huge piece of land and you can add it to your own land. You can bring this family back inside, the people of God back inside our family and acquire this premium, presumably premium piece of agricultural land. At this point, we assume the kinsman redeemer's eyes lit up and he thinks, great, I'm going to get a good deal here like the dragons in the den, thinking, ah, yes, yes. I can get a bargain. This is going to be financially very useful for me and my empire, or whatever it is. It probably, um, as weird as the sandals look to us, I imagine Dragon's Den will to people in about 2,000 years' time as well. So it's a sort of similar cultural jump. I will redeem it, he said in verse 4. And then I'm going to just uh, make use of another television program did you used to watch um Columbo the detective yeah I remember Columbo every single episode was exactly the same uh you knew who did it he knew who did it they knew that he knew who did it and he'd go through everything and then right at the end when it sounded like they'd got away with it just as he was leaving the room he turned back and he'd go oh, one more thing and that would be the crucial piece of evidence that solved the case and they confessed it and And we go to next week having the same story again. And I feel like Boaz does a bit of a Columbo. He lays everything out. Sounds great. Great deal. You can buy this bit of land. You can redeem Naomi. It's virtually no obligations. You simply get a new piece of land. Naomi's too old uh, now to be married. So no concerns there. You simply get a, a cheap bit of good quality real estate. Oh, but one more thing. On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth, the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. So actually, if children come about through this arrangement, it would remain in Naomi's family line with Elimelech's name attached to it and not this man the kinsman redeemer. Actually, there's not a huge amount of long-term financial compensation. It's more like a costly care package without any promise of financial gain. Verse 6. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. And Boaz probably did his best impression of someone looking disappointed. (laughs) Oh, you rumbled me. Boaz, on the other hand, takes the sacrificial approach. He embraces the opportunity to do something generous and gracious and kind and to help secure this future For someone else. And he did it at his own cost. He not only had to buy the land, he also was going to marry Ruth, although I don't think, from what we read, I don't think there's any hardship there. But he's doing it in order that Elimelech's family line would continue. He's doing it because he seems to be a kind and gracious and generous man. And he's also doing it because God is going to work through that family line to bring about another redeemer. And we'll come back to that. Financially and socially, it was going to be very costly for Boaz to marry a Moabite lady. But he put what was right to do before what he might prefer have preferred to do in the end it was his faithfulness to god and to doing the right thing and to showing grace and kindness and love that mattered in boaz's life and it was costly but he did it and he paid the cost of redemption hence the picture of the sandal he took off his sandal, good thing they were doing it outside probably, passed it over as a sign, I will do it. He removed his sandal. Today, Boaz says, your witnesses, that I've bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Marlon, have also acquired Ruth the Moabites, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. And then the others gather round, the elders, and they say this incredible word which actually becomes prophecy over this family line. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel, May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. They're praying, in other words, that somehow through this arrangement, through this marriage, uh, which still sounds odd to us, but remember, it, it, the grace of God here is that actually Ruth and Boaz have come to love one another. And the prayer is that through their marriage and any offspring, God might continue the story of his people. And little did they know just how significant those words were going to be. And we're going to finish next week by looking at their family tree. But for now, I just want to think just for a few more moments about Boaz and about the cost of redemption for him. That he didn't weigh up the costs like the other man and walk away. He knew exactly what it was going to cost him, and he went ahead anyway because he loved Ruth, and he wanted to do this kind and gracious thing. And as we read it, I don't know about you, but you can't help but have your mind pushed on to Jesus. The other cost of redemption. It's not just that Boaz gives us a model or a picture to try and emulate, although I think he does do that. It's not just that Boaz and Ruth are the heroes of the story and we can try really hard to be like them, although by the grace of God, hopefully we can. Actually, Boaz's redemption is a window onto the redemption that God had planned, not only for that family, but for families all around the world. You see, we, like Naomi, had wandered off. As we heard earlier in Isaiah 53, each like sheep, we've gone our own way. Each of us has at times, or for a long time, wandered away and felt that we know best, that we don't need God, That we should be the masters and kings and lords of our own life. And yet when we do that, we walk away from the only one who gives us life. We become lost and stuck in our sin. Like Ruth and Naomi, we have no way to redeem ourselves. There's nothing we have that we can use to get ourselves back into God's family. Times in history, people have tried to find a way of doing that. Try to buy your way back into God's good books. But we cannot do it. We have nothing to redeem ourselves with. We are like Naomi, empty handed. And then Jesus. Unable to redeem ourselves our Redeemer stepped into the world. And I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes while I read to you a passage from Ephesians. Listen to these words. Picture for yourself that you have a Redeemer. You have in Jesus someone who loves you more than Boaz loved Ruth. You have in Jesus someone who is more faithful to his promise than Ruth was to Naomi. You have in Jesus someone who paid the highest cost for anything ever paid in love to bring you back to God. Ephesians chapter 1. to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us in him we have redemption. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where the story of your life has taken you so up until today. It doesn't matter what you feel is going on in your life or even what's still to come. if you trust in that Jesus, if you turn away from a life lived in opposition to him and turn towards him, you have that redemption. You have that love. You have that forgiveness. You have the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. You have a welcome. You have an inclusion. You have a place and a part in God's family now and forever. You have a hope and a future and an inheritance stored up in heaven that can never be taken away from you. And it's all because Jesus loves you and gave himself for you. that's the redemption we receive that must be the redemption that we proclaim it must be the redemption out of which we live it's the redemption which gives us hope it's the redemption that defines who we are as the people of God and it's the redemption that we hold out to the world and say come and see in Jesus we have life Just like Boaz, Jesus knew the cost. He knew the cost. He knew the physical cost. He knew the emotional cost. He knew the spiritual cost. And he did it anyway. For you, for me, for anyone who trusts in him. We have been redeemed I feel God just wants to impress that truth in our hearts this morning so I'm going to be quiet for a moment and just invite you to pray your own prayer and response or just let those words sink in in him we have redemption the forgiveness of sins let's be quiet And just in your own heart, open up to that truth and let God's word by his spirit speak it over you. That chapter in Isaiah 53 finishes with these words. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Father, thank you that Jesus saw the light of life. And through him, he has, is, and will justify many. That he has now his portion among the great. And he will share that inheritance with us, his people. as we are redeemed into his family. Lord, fill our hearts with joy and gratitude. Deepen and strengthen our faith. And fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's respond with salvation song.